internet is an ocean that we invent as we explore. In the murky darkness of virtual places, there could be dragons, shabbats, leviathans. Certainly I have heard voices on the web who say we will discover or build a god and reach the side of the ocean floor. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have recurring guest, Raw Egg Nationalist, here to promote his new Man's World website. Uh, Raw Egg, I don't even, I don't even at this point, we'll dispense with the introductions. You should be uh, well known to the show at this point. I think you've appeared on the show the most times. So uh, welcome back and thank you so much for your time. Uh, it's always a pleasure, Astral. So I was just reading your new website yesterday. I've got it pulled up right here and it's it's gorgeous. It's a pleasure to use. It's uh interactive and it's brand new and as far as I understand it's still a work in progress. You have more to come on this. So why don't we why don't we start off talking about your uh your website here for Man's World? Yeah, of course. Let's let's talk about the the website. So it was um it's been a long time coming uh it's it's definitely been uh it's definitely needed i think i think man's world needed a website and um uh, as you say it's a work in progress we're still working on um implementing some features but we've already got um you can already access every single one of the magazines uh from the website uh there's a store uh we did a limited run of of some t-shirts a little while ago around about christmas time just before christmas uh, and there will be some more drops uh, imminently, possibly even next week. I think there may be a drop of new T-shirts. Um, and uh, you can read individual articles from the from the magazine now on the website, which I think is a big is a big thing, and uh, will help to spread will help to spread uh, will help to spread and generate some buzz uh, for the articles. Uh, but yeah, it looks it looks amazing. It looks better than than any any of our um peers any of our competitors it's been it's been designed by an absolute uh design whiz friend of mine and um yeah ev- everybody should go should go and look at the website now or later if they haven't already i agree the link is in uh raw eggs bio i'll put it in while while we're airing this episode i'll put it in my bio as well um, yeah. You know, I don't mind replacing my Substack link because Elon Musk is just completely dampening, if not eradicating all all links to Substack. But you don't have that issue, which is good. Uh, the new Twitter is really a boon for our message and, and for the things we're trying to do here, the content creating we're trying to do, because it, um, you know, I guess the, the saying is it levels the playing field, but it, it almost gives us uh, uh more than more than levels the playing field for us it like gives us a home field advantage where um we're recording the day after tucker announced he's bringing his show to twitter which is just unprecedented and amazing and uh you know some people were speculating that he might do that i was really hoping that was that would be what he does and uh, i think that's going to just i hope it just drives so much more traffic to to people like us yourself yourself high on that list as someone who's appeared on his show before yeah i think i think things are definitely moving in the right direction they appear to be moving in the right direction the tucker announcement is huge i mean that's if that's if his if his uh show on twitter is successful which i'm sure absolutely sure it will be i mean you know that um 
announcement that he did uh, last week on Friday at the same time as his old show, which got like 60 million views or 40 million views. Uh, I think that's a good indicator that people are, are, are still going to be paying a lot of attention to him and that actually he was really the only good thing about Fox yeah about fox news so um yeah i mean things are things definitely appear to be moving in the right direction tucker um uh and and yes this could be this could be a real turning point i think in in the fortunes of the traditional news media uh you know twitter is uh i think that i think that elon actually is is committed to making twitter a truly I mean, it has been a revolutionary platform, but but I don't think that it's that its true potential really has been fully exploited yet. And it's amazing how quickly he's moving forward with, uh, you know, quite quite significant changes to the platform, despite having despite having fired, you know, fifty percent of the staff. It's actually it's working better, and it's becoming a better platform. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, I'm very optimistic. Actually, I'm the most optimistic I've been in a long time. And your timing just could not have been better for this, for this. I mean, you've kind of already had a a launch of the website, but for it to to still be in its nascent phases and ramping up to its full potential during this time could could not have been better for you. Uh, I'm really happy about it. I'm really happy to see it. So everybody check the website out. The uh, interactivity is unprecedented. It's not boring. It's not sterile, but it's also not uh, crazy in your face, you know, Breitbart or um, I don't know what some of these other these other uh, right wing websites that have crazy eye grabbing headlines with uh, the blinking ads all over the place. You know, uh, it's not one of those websites either. It's it's really elegant and um, it it works really, really smoothly. And, you know, I've always been a fan of the magazine. I think I think you're the yeah, you were the you were the first person I ever interviewed. I'll, I'll never tire of bringing that up because it's a mm-hmm. very proud thing for the show. And we talked about your your mag and it was nice. And you still can download the PDF of of Man's World and it's still hosted on ChadNet, I assume. Yeah, it's on Chad it's on ChadNet and it's also um hosted on a uh an online flipbook website. So there's an interactive yes. flipbook that gives you the the sort of uh, as close to a real magazine experience with the magazine as you can get. Yeah, so that that gives you a look that no other online magazine has because it doesn't look like an online magazine. It looks like a real magazine, which was always one of your uh, it was always one of your selling points. Actually, it felt like reading a real magazine, and it's nice that this website. It see, it's for those who haven't been there yet. Uh, the table of contents, the link that when you click on the link to the ad, uh, excuse me, there is no advertising uh, on the website itself. It's in the it's in the magazine. When you click on the link to the article, it brings you over to the PDF, which is a really nice touch. So you're still getting that interactive magazine quality, um, and it's not a sterile website. So, um, and that was the one that fixes the one kind of like difficulty with with the pdf which was that you'd have to scroll through the whole thing unless you were doing the flip book to get to your article but now you can click right on it which is a a really nice uh a really nice touch and then you have your featured articles at the top which is uh, right now i'm looking at the rambo one so now this is actually hosted on the website 
and it looks nice. It's got the same picture. I know I know you were really excited about this article. I'm a huge fan and advocate of Semmelweis. Uh, he wrote one of my favorite things to come out of the right, which is the uh, Jack Kerouac and the Decline of the West essay. It's about 50 pages long. And this is going to be uh, a, sm- a small published book. I don't know if the full thing is was published in Man's World. There's just an excerpt. I have to admit, I haven't read it yet because I haven't seen the movie. I don't want to spoil the movie. It's a it's a great it's a great essay. Yeah, it's a really good essay. Um, uh, I I think that people don't take Rambo seriously enough, actually. And and Rambo is a Rambo is a. I mean, the first film, Rambo: First Blood, was was based on a on a very good uh, popular novel. And um, you know, I mean, it's it's actually it's substantial. It has substantial themes. It's not just uh it's not just a silly action film. I mean, Rambo, Rambo's two and three may have been a bit more like that, but Rambo one certainly was a was a real story with um, an intelligent story about you know a very very particular point in America's history about the aftermath of the Vietnam War and 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 the psychological the psychological and social effects of the Vietnam War on on veterans in particular, their their alienation, their anomie, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's a, a great film. And, and I mean, Sylvester Stallone is a great actor and he was fantastic in Rambo 1. And Rambo 4, uh, you know, which was released in, I think it was 2007 or 2008, after, after you know, 20, yeah, 20, 20 years from, from Rambo 3, was a very, very different film from Rambo 3 and from Rambo 2 it wasn't there was there's over over the top action in it sure but it's uh it's a much more again it's a much more thoughtful film Rambo is an old man or an older man middle-aged man uh he's tired he's world weary and yet he's called back to arms uh in in the service of um of rescuing these christian missionaries in who've gone into burma and uh yeah, it's 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 uh, the the essay that's written by Semmelweis, who wrote this fantastic essay about Jack Kerouac as well, uh, is is very very thoughtful and it, and it really sort of draws out some very very some surprising themes actually. Um, uh, you know, very powerful, interesting, uh, deep themes about the relationship between the warrior and the priest in Indo-European religion and particularly in Christianity, because that's the, that's the main confrontation in the film is between Rambo's seeming nihilism as a result of, of being this world weary warrior who's seen so much killing, so much death and, and has seen the worst of the world and these idealistic missionaries on the other hand, including their leader who think that they can just go into Burma and very, which is a war zone you know where the the Karen um, tribes people who are Christian are being massacred by the government. They think that they can just go in and and sort of help without without getting their hands dirty and without being sort of put in danger. And um, yeah, it's 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 a great essay, and it will make a great it will make a great long it'll make a great short um, long essay and short book, I think, which is what Semmelweis is doing. And yeah, it, it was it was an obvious choice for one of the featured articles for the website because it's. Uh, yeah, it's just in, indicative of of um, of the really high quality of of article that that people are produ- have been producing for Man's World. It's it's the among the best of the best, I think. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Um, to to reading that, you know, interesting. I'm seeing this movie came out in 2008, and I remember, you know, when you get red pilled, 
you kind of have these um these kind of precursor observations that you make where you, you think well well this isn't quite right something something's not quite right about this and for me i remember this movie came out in 2008 and i remember during the obama years many many things were going on in the world that and we were we were involved in afghanistan and iraq and we were not getting involved in some other some other issues and i remember like in particular this was a little bit later the massacre of Yazidi Christians in Iraq that ISIS was perpetrating. But many other things, you had um, Christian political prisoners in North Korea and other places. And I had an evangelical Christian co-worker. And I remember I was very, you know, very normie, very blue-pilled guy who didn't really pay attention to politics. And I remember asking this guy, like, shouldn't, shouldn't we be uh, helping these Christians? Like, shouldn't we be shouldn't we be advocating for these people and doing something to help them? And I remember he was like, yeah, Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is the only one who's advocating for these people. And somehow it went right by me that this movie came out at that time. So that's actually really uh, noteworthy that they put this movie out during a time where this was happening in, in the real world. So that's good. I'm glad this is a featured article. You've been promoting it pretty heavily. So, so it's got your seal of approval. So I'm looking forward to that. But I am also interested in the other two featured articles. The Conan article, we don't need to get into too much except to say he's trying to uh, – Conan Esquire, our friend on Twitter, I should say, calls himself Conan. He's got an article called Conan the Culture Warrior. And uh, we'll we'll leave that one for, for now because he's coming on the show. We're doing a, a little mini series every, every Man's World issue. I'm hoping to have at least three episodes dedicated to the current issue with a writer from that. I've just had uh, PCM Christ's episode on. He's got a fantastic short story in here. Well, it's an excerpt from a, of a novella that, that looks like it's going to be great. And, and Conan's coming on next month to talk about his article. But to make a long story short, uh, he's trying to revive... Robert E. Howard in the same way that H.P. Lovecraft has been revived in that he's taken he's considered seriously uh, he's considered a serious author and his work is considered for serious study to give us insight about the world we live in today. Um, so this is a great project. He's the man for the job. And, and the essay he's written here is, is it's fantastic. And he links a lot of the things you've seen in the news, uh, maybe maybe uh Q-related or uh, Alex Jones-related adrenochrome stories that uh, you you laugh at. Um, he kind of shows how some of Conan's stories are precursors to that. But we'll leave that for now to move on to your featured article, which is actually a short story, which you've told me is the first short story that you've at least published, if not ever written. Uh, I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. And I don't know. I don't want to give too much away here. People need to go read it. Um, yeah yeah this is the yeah this is the um i have written i have written fiction before uh but not as roy nationalist but this is uh, yeah this is my first my first uh foray into fiction as the roy nationalist and it is it's sort of it's it's a um it's a morning in the life of uh a very successful uh only fans model um loosely well i let's let's call i, I call her paella and um <laughs> uh, hey, people so, people listening get getting that reference are gonna are gonna get are gonna give a chuckle go on yeah so it's uh this woman paella and she's waking up in her um in her uh condo in the uh hills above los angeles and she's just um 
she's just going through her daily routine really getting ready she's getting ready to go off to um provide a girlfriend experience for a a, a rich um some sort of wealthy chap who's contacted her on OnlyFans, and it's just about it's it, it's it's very mundane stuff. But i i wanted I wanted it to be um I wanted it to be a sort of um well I've always wondered what it would actually be like to be someone like that. You know, you you um I mean I find myself doing that all the time, looking at people and and not just celebrities, not just famous people, but normal people as well, and just thinking, what the hell would it be like to be you? What would it actually be like to spend a day in your shoes? Uh, and that's what I really did. I tried to imagine, I tried to imagine uh, to place myself in her mind and and see the world through her eyes and and sort of um, express, I suppose, her contradictory, extremely contradictory kind of personality. And uh, you know, this Paella character is someone who is running. Uh, who considers herself something of an intellectual who sort of uh, browses Reddit and then uh, uh, commissions polls on Twitter, you know, where she's asking about things like, um, you know, uh, child abuse and paedoph- paedophilic urges and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's totally, you know, totally not um, totally not based on anybody uh, identifiable in real life. But um, uh yeah, I, I just I just wanted it to be. I mean, it's a story where not a lot happens. It's one of those stories. It's not a. It's not an action packed story. It's not a. It's not really even a story that has a that has a an end, as it were, or a, a purpose. But I, other other than just to as a kind of uh, imaginative and an amusing exercise, I suppose. But I think it. I really enjoyed writing it. I've had a lot of, a lot of uh, very positive feedback about it. Um, and I know that you like it, which is good, and I respect your opinion. Well, it's impeccably well written, uh, like, like, bracingly so. Uh, the fact that you're your own editor is just as impressive as as the amount of work that you put out in and of itself. But I have to admit, the first I read it twice now, and the first time I read it, it the fact that it doesn't really have an ending left me a little surprised. I was like I was like waiting for the punchline. So I had to go back and reread it. And the second time I got the full experience because I I sort of knew what I was what I was in for. It wasn't it wasn't a short story where everything's tied up in a neat little package, which is which is a strength of the story. Um but I don't I don't know if if I fully got what you were trying to do the first time. But now that I've read it the second time, I would I would go as far as to say it's it's a moving it's it's a, an incredibly moving story because it's a snippet into somebody's life and it kind of gives you this you know you know what you know what the problem was the first time I read it I thought it was going to be like lampooning and I thought it was going to be sort of a joke and yeah and make, that, that would have been that would have been too easy and I, I didn't exactly want to do that. yes that's the strength of the of the of the uh, story. And it's I not at all. Be, I wanted there to be. I wanted there to be some tenderness and some understanding. And I mean, uh, I could. You, you know, it's not difficult to lampoon um, these uh, very famous OnlyFans people. You know, you could write a, a, a spectacularly silly story about some kind of, um, you know, video that they've made or some kind of encounter that they've had with a client. And it you just, I don't know. I mean, it would get it would get it would get cheap laughs, but you would forget about it five minutes later. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And and 
once I kind of realized that's what you were doing, it really, it really settled in. And um, uh, it makes me very excited to see what else you come up with because uh, you've got a talent here that um, it's, it's subtle. And it's also, it's also <laughs> for other content creators, it's also a little bit like, man, I need to step up my game. This guy who's, who's, he's doing the podcast circuit, podcast circuit nonstop. He's putting out uh, nonfiction and expository essays. He's putting out like scientific essays on food uh, left and right. He's got this magazine. He can, the, the, the bastard can also write fiction like with the best of them. You know who this was evocative of for me was Murakami. Are you a Murakami fan? I think we've talked about Murakami before. I've never actually read any Murakami. Okay, okay. I thought I've talked I to you about him. Well, the reason I bring that up is because he focuses, and this is a this is a very Japanese thing. You see this in in manga, you see it in anime, and you see it in in Mishima even writes like this. They they focus on the the minute, seemingly inconsequential details of life, and Murakami in particular goes on about them uh, at at great length to the point where. Um, you start to think to yourself, what, what am I reading? This guy's just been in his house for 80 pages, like sitting on the couch, listening to records, dr- drinking a glass of water and making spaghetti. But at the end of the day, it it paints this really complete, uh, intricate, dioramic picture of this person's life that, you know, if they just, if he just got right to the action, it would just be this action story. And like I was saying with your, with your, with your story here, if you had just lampooned this character, it would have been like meme tier. You know, I'm just repeating what you said. But instead, we get this picture into this person's life where we can almost like imagine what it might be like to be her. And you can you can almost you can almost you know, if you're really if you're really clever and insightful and thoughtful while you're squ- scrolling Twitter, you can catch the quiet desperation behind these people's tweets. But a story like this it just it just puts it right there in front of you and it's it's much more impactful so uh this story is a resounding success and i'm looking forward to more from you i don't know if you want to say more about it it's short enough that we don't really need to spoil it that people can just go read it you've titled it horse and i can't remember why because i don't remember there being a horse in the story what what did you say the reason you titled it horse was well uh, the the uh, the OnlyFans content creator upon whom this story obviously isn't based uh, <laughs> made a made a famous video, I think, of herself uh, having sex with a man who was wearing a horse mask, like that Bojack Horseman type horrible kind of rubber mask, and um, uh, oh, that's God. that's that's why yeah, that's why I called it. Okay, it's good. That, it's good that we're having this conversation. The reader is going to need this context because I didn't have that context, but I'm not surprised to hear it. You know, these rationalists. We're we're going to move on through the essay, or excuse me, through the issue. But if we if we can, if you'll permit me a digression for a moment, these rash these rationalists and this 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 person that we're certainly not talking about. Uh, considers herself a rationalist or or at least postures as one. It almost seems like they're putting themselves and everyone else on with these thought experiments. And we're all forced to, we're all subjected to them. We're all forced to become aware of them because, well, a couple of reasons. One, one is because very famous people are involved in them, but the other one is because 
they're so eye-catching and they're so uh, flamboyant that they get a lot of clicks. So, you know, the the big one is Rocco's Basilisk, and you know, no no shade to Rocco himself. I've actually uh, talked to him. I've I've invited him on the show, and we were going to do an episode. So I, I I I I like the guy, even though I know he causes quite the stir on Twitter on a pretty regular basis. And this other um, fictitious person that we're talking about does the same thing. And you know, you look at their content, and you and you think about what they say, and you think to yourself, well, this has got to be a, a great troll. You know, I mean, where where are you at with that? Do you think it's a, all a, an elaborate troll or are these people really, you know, smoking their own supply here? I, yeah, I've, I veer from I veer from one interpretation to the other. Some some days it really does. I, I really do think, yeah, this is I'm sorry, you know, you know exactly what you're doing. You know, you've been doing this for so long and you know exactly which buttons to press. Uh, you know, you know exactly what to say that will get people to talk and to share and to sh- and to shout and scream about, you know, whatever it is you've just posted, and then, and then, by by turns, I think. Well, actually, I think that maybe you just are. You're you're one of these. You're basically a midwit, and so yes, you're someone exactly. You're, you're, you know, you're someone. You're someone who is possessed of enough intelligence to to think a little bit. And and to start to sort of um, to start to sift, but actually you're not possessed of enough intelligence to 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 go beyond these kind of surface level readings and and I I do think that I do think that yeah it's possibly it, it's that too that because you get they do give off an air of of um, earnestness about there's an there's an earnestness about it and you think well actually i I do think that maybe these people are simultaneously a bit naive and also uh they kind of you know they get juiced up by their followers so they think they're much more intelligent than they actually are and they're given a huge platform to speak and so what do they do well they air these kind of vaguely intelligent but also extreme at the same time extremely stupid um uh sort of pseudo yeah pseudo sub philosophical thought experiments that um you know you might you might have this sub philosophical thought experiment maybe for for two seconds in your mind and then you just think well actually no this is this is retarded but (laughs) but it but it's actually but it's become an entire identity uh and i mean this this only fans creator who who i'm not referencing at all um uh you know, she she considers herself to be a kind of like a, well, she, I think she calls herself a data scientist. Yeah, so she can, she considers, yeah, she considers the polls that she does on Twitter to be uh, actual data science. Uh, she she never she never asks herself uh, questions about you know the probable bias of the people who are responding or anything like that, uh, or the or the bias of the medium, but. Uh, yeah, it's 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 strange. I think that she genuinely does. I think she genuinely wants to 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 be seen as some kind of intellectual. Um, and I know that she hangs around with a lot of sort of tech people, and um, you know that, that that further adds a further veneer of intellectual respectability. Let's say, um, yeah, it's it's strange. It's really strange. I mean, it's entirely possible that it's both. It's entirely possible that sometimes these people are just very deliberately trolling to um, to generate uh, to generate buzz. Well, this this um, 
this short story, you know, and as we're talking about it, is, what you've done is is actually it's it's quite subtle now that I think about it. Because this snippet you give us, it's almost like you could make this a series where you could give us like the story behind the poster. You know, I don't know. I don't know where you're planning to go with your fiction. I did get to read a short excerpt, maybe maybe one or two paragraphs of something else you've written. It's quite different than this. It was a totally, totally different approach. But uh, if you wanted to do this more, I think it would be successful because it's like a it's like a, we're, we're all on twitter all day and we've all sort of uh obliterated our minds and we've clouded our third eyes over and this is all everything just gets offered up to the altar of content creation and and clicks and likes and dopamine hits and now we've we've been given an opportunity by you to to sit back and consider the person behind you know the tweets or the person behind the viral tweet and it's uh it's a nice little snapshot and it's almost like if I'm if I'm the thing about Murakami is he, he juxtaposes the banal with the fantastic. So there's always these uh, very, very detailed, meticulously written day to day lifestyle passages interspersed with like the most wildly fantastic, you know, fantasy Miyazaki movie style um, magical realism. And it's sort of the, the juxtaposition sort of drives drives the reality of the real parts home more and it's almost like you're doing that for the timeline with this uh, slice of life uh piece here and there is some humor in there don't get me wrong but it doesn't it's not cruel to the subject uh at all which which is funny i guess you could do that but um i think i think the mark of a of a more serious writer is somebody who takes their subject more seriously so i don't know if it's fair for me to ask you if not you can answer you can answer obliquely um if you plan to do something like this again because i i would like to see it uh i think i think it could be i think it could be an ongoing series or i just know it's something you could do well again uh thank you yeah i i th- yeah it's definitely now now that i think about it it is something that i could um that i could definitely could definitely do again i mean there are plenty of other characters online characters whose offline lives you could you could um you could definitely write about with with subtlety and 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 imagination um there are definitely various different character types ideal types whatever you want to call them um on twitter and on these very different online spaces i mean one of the things i had an idea actually the other day i said the other day yesterday um uh you know that they released the manifesto of this uh or the, not the manifesto but the supposed um uh various different posts that had been um uh, uh written by this mauricio garcia chap who is supposed to be the hispanic um white nationalist gunman do you see that oh i i tweeted about it i saw it i was actually going to bring it yeah. up for the second half of our show but let's uh let's bring it up now well, I was just going to say that they that they released all of these posts, and um, it's very obvious that he he didn't write them. There's no way that he wrote some of them. That it's it's this typical, you know. It's like they've been they've been written by a <laughs> they've been written by a you know by some kind of person at the FBI or something. It's it's absolutely not, and probably and probably a woman at that. And um, uh, I was thinking, I saw a post, and I was thinking, like, what would it actually be like? to be let's say like the 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 striking writer 
who's who's suddenly called on by the FBI to write these fake posts. Um, oh, and that would be a little bit, actually would be a little bit like that story that you wrote, uh, Operation Hard R for issue nine, I think it was, or yeah. nine or eight. You know, it's slightly, slightly similar, you know, where you've got the an alphabet agency um, trying to get someone to uh, to write something provocative, but actually, in in this case, it it actually does happen. And so, you know, maybe you've got a, a somebody who's on writing strike from Hollywood. You know, some woman who had a a Tumblr a Tumblr um, page, you know, ten or fifteen years ago, and is now a a sort of moderately mildly successful writer in Hollywood and then she gets a knock at the door from the FBI and they're they're sort of saying, you know, we need you to we need you to uh you know do a special assignment your, your, for your us. country needs you. Yeah, your country your country <laughs> your country needs you to write a fake fake manifesto for this um, you know, white nationalist uh, gunman who happens to be brown. Um uh Yes, I mean something like that. That was just a sort of uh, just a just a thought that I had. But yeah, there's there's definitely there are definitely. Um, I don't I don't think there's, I don't think there's much writing actually along along the lines of 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 the thing I've I've done for Horse about about these online characters. I mean, it could it could be good or um, uh, it could be a bit tiresome. I think you would have to be careful about which kind of which kind of. Um, about the kind of subject matter you chose i mean there are certain i i wouldn't want it to be too much of an in joke you know i would right, I, I, right. I i don't think that the i don't think that the horse story is too much of an in joke you know i think that it's i think that it has a broad enough appeal that actually most people could read the story and get something out of it some kind of insight amusement um whereas you know uh there are certain maybe certain characters on uh frog twitter who who um you know you would have to be in frog twitter to find it interesting or compelling for somebody to write a story about them yes i agree i agree um okay so i i actually do want to talk about mass shooters a little bit unfortunately because it's been talked about on the show before and it just keeps coming up. It keeps being in the news. Let's finish out on episode uh, episode issue 10 quickly because uh, I wanted to discuss it in the context of an essay you've written that's that I don't I don't think appeared in man's world ever. The um, essay you wrote for Asylum magazine who also has a new website. And the the essay is Race in America in 2020. And I think I read it this past summer. Do you remember when that originally came out? Because Asylum just had a, a relaunch of their new website, which is also very nice. Um, I'm not seeing a date on this on this essay. It, came, it definitely came out. Uh, I think it came out, yeah, last summer, last early autumn. Something yeah, like okay, because yeah. I remember reading it back then. But a uh, a great segue to from Man's World to Asylum in that essay is uh, just coincidentally happens to involve yours truly, because uh, in Man's World issue ten, you were kind enough to run an excerpt of my written uh, interview with Spandrel. Interestingly enough, I thought Spandrel didn't voice docs, so I didn't even invite him on the show. I just uh, asked him to do a written interview, and he he uh, graciously agreed. 
and I'm very happy with it. But it turns out he does voice Doc, so maybe I'll have a follow up with him and have him on. But yeah, for now, should. yeah, you think so? Yeah, definitely, one hundred percent. For now, we have this uh, written essay on not just what the basics of what bioleninism are or what bioleninism is, but we've also done a bit of a roundup uh, analysis, a recapitulation of neo-reactionary thought. Is is Moldbug's neo-reactionary uh, framework still applicable? And he and I both agreed that it's more applicable now than it was when he wrote it. And I, I kind of said that we're sort of living in the world that was imagined or conceptualized or at the very least described most accurately by uh, neo-reactionaries. And I tacked Bronze Age Pervin on there too. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't think he's really influenced by neo-reaction and I don't think he is a neo-reactionary. He's he's something different, but um, he's he's also so so uh he's got he's so insightful to the nature of our of our current dilemma that i couldn't i couldn't talk about uh prophetic and insightful thinkers without without including him along the likes of spandrel nick land and uh and moldbug but i have to say of all these thinkers the one who's who comes to mind like pretty much every day is spandrel pretty much every day i read the headlines i think bioleninism bioleninism this is bioleninism and you come up in the interview because i remember uh, an article somewhere uh, no it was a uh, it was actually a hit piece on you you know we're not gonna have time to get to it today one of the things i had on the on the roster was to talk about these absolutely pitiful <laughs> ridiculous laughable and and, and just the drivel hit pieces on you um you, you feel free to to give them passing mention but we're not gonna have time to get into them but anyway one of the hit pieces was was criticizing you by saying that you were like it was like saying you were mean like look what this guy does and 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 it showed an excerpt from something you'd written that was a picture of all of the portland antifa mugshots and how you were calling them you know bioleninist filth or something like that and the the hit piece, the quote unquote scare quotes hit piece, was saying like, "Look at how mean he is! Like he's calling these people ugly." And I just remember thinking that if I wasn't already red pilled, I probably would have looked at this and just laughed. So you were the one. I mean, you you you're 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 the inception point for so many things for me. Uh, you were the one who got me to read Spandrel. You're the one who exposed me to the idea, told me to read the interview, and. Um, uh, excuse me, told me to read his blog post and sort of told me, explained to me what bioleninism is. And now I see it everywhere. I think it explains everything. So your essay, uh, uh, Race in America in the 2020s, is basically about, you, you could put it, you could put it obliquely, and I'll, I'll have you, uh, I'll have you come in and, and answer and explain this, but it's basically about who and what responds to the bioleninist assault that that we're all, all regular people uh and as the people that bat might might refer to as the well turned out and beautiful which is you know one step above the regular people uh because the well turned out and beautiful are the ones who are probably going to to actually stand up and put a stop to this and we just saw this with this the subway strangler um the guy you know we had a um i don't mean to throw out so many contemporary headlines this stuff you know, if I put a show out next week, there's going to be 10 more headlines we could base the show on. But there was uh, Jordan Neely 
was this uh, schizophrenic homeless meth addict who's who's done things like abducted children and punched old women and old men in the face kind of randomly. And he was acting up on the subway. And I think that this uh, uh, lends credit to your argument, this race, race in America in the 2020s, that the man who stood up and put a stop to it, it wasn't a fat slob. It wasn't an old man. It wasn't a, it wasn't your your average, you know, Poindexter dad bod, uh, you know, taco schlubbing video game playing, uh, you know, uh, data scientist or something. It was a, a fit, young, attractive Marine who, who stood up to this guy. And, um, you know, I've been going on too much. I'd like you to contextualize everything I've been saying here for us. And uh, maybe maybe even we can end the show with you kind of giving us the 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 spelling everything out that I just sort of got into. Yeah, no, that I I enjoyed writing that essay. It's an it's an interesting uh, essay, I think. And I I my starting point was Oswald Spengler, um, Man and Technics. You know, the the very very famous. Uh, if you don't know the very famous closing paragraphs of Man and Technics, where Oswald Spengler talks about the the lost position, the the Roman soldier uh, who stood at his post in Pompeii uh, while the volcanic eruption took place and didn't desert his post because nobody came to relieve him. So he fulfilled his duty to be, you know, the, the, the soldier guarding this particular position until the end, uh, despite the fact that it was very obvious that... Um, you know he was that that he was uh you know in the midst of catastrophe and that the the world quite literally was was collapsing around him um and oswald spengler uh when he talks about this then he uses a term that can be translated as race or um or um breeding he says this this is what it means to be a thoroughbred um and i think that so what when i'm saying race in america what i'm talking about is actually um not race in the sense that you might think about it in terms of you know skin color ethnic grouping anything like that i'm talking specifically about character and that's what oswald spengler means he means sort of breeding but also um character character that is that is um inculcated into people sense of duty um uh and virtue and uh so so what i'm really trying to do is i'm trying to make an argument about um about how as american living standards decline as 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 america heads deeper and deeper into the abyss um race in that sense character individual character is going to be more and more important because because people who because there will be people who refuse to accept the decline who refuse to accept um that they must surrender living standards and also standards of standards of decency and public conduct um uh th- they'll rebel and i i mean what the the principal instance that i talk about in the in the article is Kyle Rittenhouse and the fact that you know, Kyle Rittenhouse was just exercising fundamental, foundational American liberties, the right to self-defense, uh, especially. And yet, um, you know, look at look at the way that he's been treated. You know, he, he was he was in a situation in 2020 where um, 
it was expected that nobody would object to this you know widespread rioting and looting and destruction um and actually he was there in kenosha um helping out being a good person being a decent young man protecting the local community protecting local businesses and they tried to punish him they tried to kill him and uh he stood up and uh displayed incredible poise and incredible um an incredible restraint actually under under the worst possible circumstances you know he was uh, however old he was 17 18 and yet he managed to defend his life against against three determined attempts to kill him uh and he killed two of the assailants and in, and injured and injured the third um and i thought that that was a very very prominent display of what i was what i was trying to get at um uh and yes, I mean the. I think that the the Jordan Neely um, uh, thing is uh, is yeah is, is is another case in point. You know, I mean they they are trying to they're trying to make another George Floyd out of out of um, Jordan Neely, which is in many ways is 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 apt and um, uh, and uh, they're trying to 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 punish to pillory uh and and maybe you know sent to jail for life this this man who actually was just was just um making basically what would have been a commonplace intervention 10 or 20 years ago but is now increasingly off limits in the in the sort of uh system of of uh decline and anarcho tyranny that we um especially americans are now are now um living under yeah it's ridiculous one of the things that um really drive infuriates me is and and the police and the justice system know this the police and the justice system know that derek chauvin and the guy who i don't even think i don't even want to say his name but i i don't even know if i'll get it right the guy who restrained the jordan neely on the subway the police and the justice system know that these people were not murdering the 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 dead party here uh that's why they didn't get charges brought against them in the first place and in fact the hysterical uh, 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 pitchfork-wielding reaction from the left is in response to the fact that they weren't charged. But it's because the law recognizes and, and protects for uh, restraining people or defending yourself in a situation like this. And when you look at what Derek Chauvin did with George Floyd and what this gentleman did with uh, Jordan Neely in both cases – what they were they weren't murdering anyone they were restraining a hysterical out of control potentially violent person and i say potentially violent not just because of the way they were acting in that situation but because both men had a history of violence of course both men had felonies against them in the past for violent behavior so it's the most reasonable use of force uh imaginable on planet earth but i i just think we're, as as we descend into this anarcho tyranny to repeat uh, what you said we're going to see this more and more, and I think you'll be more vindicated that that the thing that it takes to stand up to this is is race as you understand it. Now, I know you. I have a few more comments, but I know you're pressed for time. Do you have a few more minutes? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. So, okay. Well, I don't know where you want to go from here. Do you want to talk about uh, some things you have coming down the pike? Because uh, Man's World issue ten. You and me both, excuse me, you and me, 
I've gotten up just for the listener's sake. I've gotten up at three thirty to record this because uh, Mr. Nationalist is across the pond from me. But it's a pleasure to do so. I'm I'm very happy, but but my voice is not it's not at its 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 regular tenor here, and I'm I haven't had enough coffee yet. Uh, me and you uh, both sort of made private remarks, you know, here and there that we think that issue 10 might be the best issue of man's world yet. And I actually, um, you know, you were on Isaac's show, this disgraced propaganda show, the carousel that I want every raw egg nationalist fan to check that issue out. I'll, I'll promote that on Twitter too, uh, because you talk a lot about your method and about your writing, your, 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 your technique for writing and your writing uh, habits and things like that. And I think it's, I think it's great for anybody who's looking to do more than just shit post and looking to do more than just sort of participate in the memes and the meme warfare. If you want to become a content creator, there is very few better people to look to than Raw Nationalist. He puts out the most content of anyone I could think of. I mean, you and you and Bronze Age Pervert are probably the two most prolific content creators that I that I can think of. It's it's staggering what you guys do. Thanks. And... Yeah, I do, no, I, I I love it. I love it. It's no uh, it's no burden. Well, I just wanted to say, just to finish my thought, sorry, uh, that issue, uh, that episode with Isaac that you did, um, his his brand, Will, the agency-based marketing brand, and their web, their uh, Twitter page, uh, around the time of your interview with him, was featuring a lot of your spoof ads and a lot of your uh, lampooning ads. And you're also one of the funniest guys working right now, and so, so is BAP as well. Um and going through those those ads that you've done, it led me to go back to the magazine and I kind of uh, scrolled through most of the back issues. And one of the things that struck me is that the quality has been very, very high all the way through. You've been able to keep a very consistent look all the way through. You've been able to keep consistency in the quality of your articles all the way through. And you've also kind of had this, even though you're so varied in your subject matter, it does have this uh, overall theme that it that it, that fits the aesthetic and the ideology of the magazine. It doesn't really, it doesn't feel frenetic or all over the place, even though you have uh, spoof ads right next to real ads, and you have uh, articles about nutrition and physique and bodybuilding next to articles about. Uh, a movie review, a very serious interview. You you even have uh, interviews with women. Noor bin Laden is one of your, probably your most uh, frequent contributor. Would you say that's correct? I think you've probably featured her more than anyone else as an interviewer. And a... Yeah, yeah. Well, she she does an interview for every issue now. From She's been doing that since since issue four, I think. So anyway, that was my long, I, of course, I'm just uh, heaping praise on you. And it's not simply because you come on my show and you publish me. I'm very, very proud of both of those things, though. Um, so do you do you have any uh, direction uh, on where you're going or is you, are you just going to keep the ship steady and 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 uh, stay the course as is? Because it does you, you can see that you're still you're still uh, in your in your flourishing state here where you're really at the top of your game. Um, and I'm wondering what what's to come what's to come in the future for Man's World, both uh, structurally, aesthetically, and as well as just content wise. Oh, there's there's big stuff. I, I there's big stuff coming. Trust me. Uh, I mean, we will hopefully maybe by the end of the year, then we're going to have a magazine on the shelves. 
an actual magazine. Um, uh, I mean, I yeah, I, I don't, I don't just want to tread water with this. I, I think that this is still very much a, very much a, a, a product that is in development and uh i'm learning new stuff all the time and i think if you go back and look at issue one and compare issue one to issue 10 in you know the 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 um uh the development of the magazine is is the growth of the magazine has been incredible aesthetically content wise everything i think that we i mean although i do feel like yes i've sort of now i've got the I've got the man's world formula, if you will. I've I've sort of come close to perfecting that. Then I think that there's still the, the you know the mixture of content and and aesthetics and uh, uh, the kinds of contributors and the subjects and all that sort of stuff. Then I I do think that nevertheless that what we need to do is we need to expand the platform. We need to reach more readers. Uh, we need to branch out into things like. I mean, there probably will be a podcast. There'll be videos. I've been offered. I've been given a. a potentially a very very interesting offer to produce uh video content for somebody else and i may also produce video content for man's world we're going to have more merchandise um I, I i really don't i don't just see i don't just see man's world being released as a as a pdf forever the, the dream was always to have a physical product on the shelves and we're getting very close to that now i mean i think and i th- and i think i think that it's necessary i think that I don't think that there is anything like man's world out there at the moment. And certainly our peers and competitors uh, on the, the so-called dissident right. I don't think that there's, there's anything that compares with man's world. I don't think there's anything that really sort of captures the mixture of um, the mixture of, of, of genuine um, deep intellectual content, but also the humor and the energy. I think the hu- humor and energy are, are, are absolutely what's missing from all of the other, um, all of the other publications that are sort of within the same bracket as man's world. And that's, you know, that's one of the, I've said this, I've said this more than once, but that's one of the main things that is, that's one of the main selling points of, uh, Bronze Age pervert and, and Bronze Age mindset, you know, it's this this anarchic, chaotic um, humor uh, that's really that really grabs you, that really grabs you on a on a on a sort of pre rational level. That is just appealing, and and there's none of that in uh, other publications within the same bracket as as um, as Man's World. They've just to- totally missed it. It's too there's too much there's not really a great deal to to distinguish these other um these other uh, offerings other websites other magazines really from what's already out there you know they're just they're just sort of slightly spicier than the than the mainstream stuff and i think that there's there's much more to there's much more to the dissident right certainly to the to the dissident right as it is as it is influenced most heavily by bronze age pervert than than just the intellectual content it is a it is a an aesthetic movement and that is what man's world is man's world is an aesthetic product fundamentally it's a it's a package it's not just it's not just essays and so that's why it wouldn't be enough just for man's world to be a website where i regularly posted essays it has to be wrapped up in this magazine format i think that that's essential i think that it's essential for it to be a magazine rather than just a 
rather than just a website that posts uh, articles and then occasionally some sort of um, uh, physical product. I think that the magazine format needs to needs to be primary for this because because it's because it's because it's different because the the whole is 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 greater than the sum of the parts and you know um it's something that's been so lacking i think for such a long time is a decent men's magazine but well this is you know this is playboy but updated for the massively online internet artists the 4chan or, or it certainly has the the energy and and the and the sort of spice of of 4chan and things like that but it's a classic product reimagined um and yes there's 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 nothing like it so i i i won't stop until until man's world is on magazine shelves and it and it looks like that's increasingly a possibility before the end of the year i'm very happy to hear this um as a podcast host who tries to promote you as much as possible and is is fortunate enough to be promoted by you at times um you know, people ask me questions about the guests that I have on my show. And I would say the number one question I get asked about you is whether or not there's going to be a physical copy of the magazine. In fact, I would say that is the resounding refrain. If people contact me about you, it's pretty much for that reason, almost exclusively the question I'm asked. And I always say, uh, I don't know, but that would be fantastic. So I'm really glad that was your answer. Uh, and it's really nice to know that there's a an audience for this and that there's a hunger for this and people want this. And you also you you're the perfect man for the job. I mean, the 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 product speaks for itself, but also to talk to you and to learn the thought process that goes behind it is just very reassuring that we got the right guy for the job and you are going to be successful. I mean, you're already successful, but you're going to go on to have continued success because you understand that. um magazines the thing about magazines is that they have a culture that builds up around them it's this very uh uh synergistic relationship between the culture and and the content because you have the culture that gets kind of captured by the magazine and gets promoted by the magazine but that in turn generates its own culture and the culture generated by the magazine uh, it's slightly different than the organic culture that the magazine is is reflecting. So it, it's it's got this um, uh, give and take where it's generating like a whole new subculture. And I know some people don't like the word scene and they they cringe at the word scene, but I, I can't help but use the word scene. You have these really big, really popular things that are sort of uh, the nodes of this uh, – underground sort of uh, countercultural edgy uh i guess for lack of a better term if you have a better term you can you can jump in and 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 correct me here but we're, we'll we'll call it a subculture for now and uh red scare is a node and i i like you know one of the things i like about red scare um even though it's not exactly my thing uh one of the things i like about it is that they've sort of infused a whole different scene with our scene that uh, I thought was going to be a clash. I thought was cognitive dissonance was going to be so great. It wasn't really going to work. But uh, those two have proved to be both just cool people, uh, but also rather deft at what they're doing. They're, they're also the ladies for the job for what they're doing. And there seems to be this sort of uh, synthesis that people like you, them, 
and other really big figures, Moldbug for sure, what he's doing. I mean, he's he's in some ways like the grease in the gears here to that helps all this stuff move along. So it's really picking up steam and Vanity Fair, apparently, I've heard tell, I guess you could you could check me on this, but I've heard tell that the the two Vanity Fair articles by James Pogue, I know the second one mentions you, you might, you might have been mentioned in the first one as well. Um, I've been told that taken together, those two articles are the, the two articles that have received the most clicks in the history of Condé Nast. Not just the history of Vanity mm-hmm. Fair. Yeah, have you heard that too? No, I haven't. No, that's that's pretty amazing. Well, that's that's a very good sign. I have to admit, I we we go to this country club. We've actually stopped going to this country club because it's all old people. It's just all old people at the pool. And I remember seeing this like octo or septogenarian sitting poolside reading Vanity Fair. And I peeked around the corner to see, and it was in fact the Moldbug article that she was reading. And I mm-hmm. just oh, funny. I really was wondering what she was thinking. So, so, um, yeah. So, to put the physical copy out, man, people are people are gonna people are gonna go for this. People are gonna go for this. And you have so many precursors, but you're not. I wouldn't say you're following in their footsteps. I don't want to say you're a recreation. I mean, Rolling Stone. What I'm describing here, Rolling Stone has done it. Playboy's done it. And there's some other precursors that you're sort of in the tradition of, but you're you're certainly your own new thing here for for sure for for many reasons and the politics is is part of it too I'm, i don't want to be too gratuitous with your time so i'd like to let you uh c- come in here and and respond yeah no i yeah I, I don't think that we are um uh i don't think that i i'm not trying to recreate playboy as it were i don't i don't just want to go back to although playboy is the you know is the biggest um is the biggest influence i would say uh, I'm, I'm not just trying to recreate that. I'm, I'm taking my cues from Playboy in certain fundamental respects. But I, I, yes, I want this to be something that's that's fundamentally of of this time now and of this particular of this particular space and uh, scene, as it were. Uh, and and I think I think that I think I think it definitely I think it is. I think it definitely is. I think it's. Un- I think Man's World now already is unmistakable. Uh, as man's world and not as not as something else you know you see people launching magazines all the time and and magazines or online magazines online websites you know and they they come and go because a lot of them just don't have anything distinctive but uh to offer but i think man's world is genuinely different well thank you so much for your time this is a great show yeah it was my it was my pleasure all right my friend the normal be well you too 